I really, really struggled with that more than I probably realised. Even though like my my immediate team around me, I mean my peer group, like what is going on with you? Like this is not you. Why? Where is this self doubt coming from? And they they couldn't understand how I was so triggered by this. And it's only upon reflection that I can go, oh, hindsight. That's why because this was your worst fear coming to life in front of you. Hello there and welcome to Mental Health at Work, the podcast where company leaders and employees reveal the mental health stories that shaped them and their workplaces. Today it's Lauren Mason's turn, head of people experience at Learnably, who tells us how a coach has helped her deal with her inner imposter and why Learnably is focusing more on mental health as the company switches to 100% remote working. This podcast is brought to you by Oliva proper mental health care for the whole team. Well, first of all, thank you so much for your time. It's a pleasure to have you here in, in our podcast. I was really looking forward to meeting you. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. I know you've been in, in another podcast. You're like a hot, in a hot <laughs> spot for a podcast lately. So that's really cool. I still feel like I'm a newbie. This is my second one. And the first one, I was like, what am I doing? I don't know how this works. So hopefully I might be a little bit more improved this time. Let's see. How did you feel doing it? Um, I found once I got into it, I was okay. Because it, it really is just a conversation. But I think the lead up or the build up to something is always much worse for me. So once we get going, it's all good. That's good. Did you listen to yourself afterwards? I had to. Um, and it was, you know what? It was even worse when my partner started playing it out loud. I was like, no, you listen to it in your headphones, please. And he was like, oh, is that your voice? And I'm like, yes, it's my voice. So yeah, I listened to it once just to see, because oh, I, I can barely remember what I say half the time. So I did do it once, but that's it. What, what did you feel emotionally when you listened to yourself? The purest form of cringing is when I feel like I have to listen to myself. Even worse if I have to watch myself because I'm like, why are you sitting like that? Why are you hunching? <laughs> but yeah, just purest form of cringe, I guess, when I listen to myself talking. And I'm hearing a lot of judging. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very self-critical. I'm actually seeing a coach for that currently to work on how I manage my imposter that lives within me. Um, most recently, I actually gave it a name. It has... A very clear visual has a name <laughs> so I'm able to really work with it in a lot better a lot better sense that is such an amazing resource to like actually defining it so what what made you or what was the trigger to start a process um it was coming into the role that I'm in now for me it was a real big step to go from managing a small team to leading a team that will eventually have managers um, and leading through people. And I felt like I learned a lot over the past year about myself, my management style, what works, what doesn't work. And I knew that if I wanted to give my best to my team, I had to deal with the fact that I'm constantly challenging whether I should be in the role, <laughs> whether, you know, who am I to be in this position and to be leading this team and to be advising on things, sharing guidance, direction. I was constantly challenging, you know, why am I in this position? Like, surely there are loads of other people that should be in this position rather than me. And I realized that I was starting to become a blocker for my own success if I didn't deal with this 
thing within me that would always be like really <laughs> you <laughs> so to do the best for my team I had to also look at myself so luckily Learnably has a learning budget and the first thing I spent was to start working with a coach so it's like you were not believing in yourself it it, it looked like other people were believing in you more than yourself if we want to go right back to school my maths teacher would say to my mum you know if Lauren just believed in herself she could be in set one and I was like no like I do not want the pressure of being in set one it was too much but throughout my I guess my education and through work I always have people telling me really lovely and positive things about myself but I was never able to accept what they were saying so if anyone tries to give me a compliment I'm like I deflect I'm the best at deflecting. If I could say that I've got one skill, I can deflect a compliment like it's going up. So I'm learning to say thank you. But yeah, it's, it's a constant thing that people believe in me more than I believe in myself. So it was this or it was very rooted in yourself, like from, from being a kid. And now, how do you feel about looking back and seeing like this little girl that didn't believe in herself? If you If you can... Just have like a visual image about yourself and, and seeing that little girl saying like, no, no. I, feel, I see a lot of wasted opportunity because if I believed in myself more, then I probably would have been capable of doing more and being more. And there is always, I feel like there's a limitation. That's the visual I see is a limitation of myself and what I'm capable of because I let it get the best of me in so many situations. There are moments where I push through it and that's been seen through the way that I've been able to take on more responsibility, more roles. But when I look back, I think, gosh, like, what if you had, you know, tried harder and you'd believed in yourself and gone for X or Y, it'd be interesting to see what would have happened. Right. Where, where do you think or how do you think you learned that thought of not deserving or not being enough? This is something I, I did actually explore with my coach recently. I think it, it does come back to me of needing to be above average because I'm being told I'm above average, but then thinking, okay, like I'm, I can't go that high because what if I fall and what if I fail and what if I'm not as good as what people are saying? So it's better just to keep myself back a little bit from going further. So probably fear of failure. It's, it's, it's a real strange one. It's, I, I'm a complete contradiction <laughs> in myself. I want to achieve. I want to, you know, to go on to do great things. But there's that part of me that goes, oh, well, what if you do fail? Like, what will happen then? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, fear of failure. It doesn't seem very strange. Like, I, I've heard before many people talking about how if I tell myself that I'm not good enough, it's like creating a defense. So I'm prepared for that, Right. But at the same time, I'm creating my own roof because I don't believe in myself. So it's like a, it's conflicting. Absolutely. And I think for me, it, that really resonates <laughs> because it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm. So if you believe that you're limited, then you're not going to go far. So yeah, I, I can completely relate to that. Yeah. And it calls my attention when I ask you, how do you feel about seeing that teeny tiny girl thinking about that? And I still see like, the demanding or the what where could I have been right when you were talking about that girl I was feeling sad for her the essence of a kid is dreaming it's aiming big it's no limits it's it's believing in everything and in oneself and I was feeling sad for that little girl 
And it surprised me that you said like, where she could be doing even more, right? So again, this. I've never thought of it like that, but yeah, I I mean, I guess because I have, I've done some really great things, but I can look back and say, I didn't do as well in school as I wanted to, but I I really went over and above with my degree. So there's like a trade-off. I've been in some really exciting companies and roles. So I feel like I've done really great things. But to think, oh, well, what if I had pushed harder? Yeah, and to to know that I have been limiting myself. I guess it's I never thought of it like that in the way that you've positioned it because I've done some great things. So I'm like, yeah, cool. We're doing good. (laughs) But to think of what if is, yeah, that's, that's quite something. Yeah. And I, I guess we create our defenses and defense mechanism and with what we can and we do what we can in, in, the, in the moment, right? With our resources. And that made us the person who we are now. And, and that's incredible. Now is learning how those patterns or those mechanisms are not needed anymore and how we can progress with that, right? And it seems like you're doing it with your coaching process. And I would say genuinely, I don't, I think this is the only time that I've really properly started to address it. It's just been something that I've, you know, I've been carried away with throughout my entire life. I've never stopped to reflect on why I do what I do, how I do it in the way that I've been challenged to over the past few months. And I I keep saying to my coach, Sandra, that, oh my goodness, (laughs) each session, I feel like I have such a, a light bulb moment. I think, gosh, like this explains so much. Like, <laughs> I can understand myself way more now than I've ever been able to. And it's only because I've taken that step to really self-reflect. And I think I've always been go, 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 that I, I rarely stop to think, which has its own consequences. <laughs> Absolutely. So how was your first session? It, it, looked, it seems like it was a difficult decision or something that it's been with you for a long time and then you finally took the step how was it for you I think I went in really optimistically because I'm thinking I want to transition into the leader that I want to be that was my aim and I'm thinking you know what does leadership look like and and looking at it all from a very positive angle but it was only when someone just started asking me questions I was like oh right okay we are going in we are going (laughs) deep and we're really going to hold the mirror up and it's not that I wasn't expecting it, but I wasn't expecting to feel the way I did after the end of the session, almost like a weight was off me. So yeah, it was it was a really great session, but I was probably more optimistic than I probably should have been going into the session about what was going to be required of me to self-reflect. Do you have any specific moment or realization throughout the sessions or even at work that you were like, oh, this is like a highlight? Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's been a few. I think the one that stands out for me the most is that an experience I had earlier in the year with a team member, I was still carrying the weight of that. And that experience challenged my self-worth, I guess, or, or self-confidence I had in my own ability absolutely plummeted after this experience. And, and it just really brought to life my imposter. And I was still carrying that. And the weight of what I was carrying was showing up in my interactions with others in my new team who had nothing to do with that experience, who, you know, would react to different things to what I was saying and doing. And 
I was projecting that onto people in my team, whether they realised that or not, I was. But luckily, I caught that early enough um, and started to work through that. Um, so the realisation for me is, whoa, you're carrying something and you're projecting that on others and you need to lighten that load, um, which is which is what we did in one of the sessions. And now I feel like it's palm size, whereas it probably felt like a double-decker bus <laughs> um, initially. So this experience was in your previous role? Yeah, my previous role, my previous team. What made it difficult for you, this experience? So what made it difficult for me is the challenge of you're not as good as manager as you think you are and your style doesn't suit me. And bearing in mind, this is my first manager role. Earlier in the year, I went through a lot personally and I had a loss and I was particularly unwell. I fell down the stairs, which was <laughs> super random. We can get to that later. But I was recovering from that. And there was a lot going on for me that was impacting the way that I showed up at work. And hearing that, you know, what you're doing is not connecting with me as a person, hearing that I don't think you're a good manager, actually, was first time probably in my life <laughs> where I was everything that I feared about, you know, you're not good enough, like you can't do this, actually manifested. Because before and throughout everything, there was nothing actually to tell me that what I was thinking was true. But this was true. It was actually happening. It was a very real thing. And I was I did not handle that well. I turned into what I would describe as a shell of myself, questioned everything that I did, didn't think I should be managing anymore if this is the experience I'm giving to my team. And I really struggled. I really, really struggled with that more than I probably realized, even though that my my immediate team around me, I mean, my peer group, like, what is going on with you? Like, this is not you. Why? Where is this self-doubt coming from? And they, they couldn't understand how I was so triggered by this. And it's only upon reflection that I can go, oh, hindsight, that's why. Because this was your worst fear coming to life in front of you in a really tricky situation. So, yeah. <laughs> how did you feel it physically? How did you feel physically when you were hearing such a difficult... Oh, awful. Tears. And I, I, people who know me will probably say, Lauren cries. <laughs> Apart from like sad TV shows and stuff. But at work, Lauren cries, really? I was crying at work, after work, before work, more than I ever have done. And emotionally it was taxing I felt lethargic I felt like I had no energy I was unwell anyway which didn't help <laughs> and it just compounded that I felt physically ill throughout that whole experience yeah and it, it just didn't help like I say that I had other things going on with me physically where I slipped down the stairs and I really injured my back I then brought on about about a vertigo which I was sitting with for weeks before I got the right treatment. And then I, I did actually break my foot in July as well. But by the way, it, it was a really rough few months. But with the emotional stuff that was going on on top of that, I felt really run down. It was. It sounds like a very difficult time of your life that you went through. One of the most difficult, I would say, earlier this year, particularly with my experience in February. I lost my auntie and that was to COVID. It was really unexpected. A lot of things to cope with yeah all at once it felt like I'm thinking gosh how much else can a person <laughs> work through at once but I had a really good support system around me and I was lucky to have that I had my family I had my partner my friends I was I'm living really comfortably in my house that like, we worked really hard for the thing other things around me were helping me get through that 
but I probably didn't appreciate how much it was impacting me because you're in the moment it's really hard to do that when you're actually in the moment itself yeah especially if you have like this self-demand for yourself like I can with everything I can see in your face that is something that you're still processing and it's difficult for you definitely I feel so, I'm genuinely I feel so much better now but only I can look back in that period with hindsight knowing I feel so much better physically emotionally so much better what specific things helped being better and processing everything that you were going through there are definitely a few things the coaching is probably the most pivotal I would say that really helped me to do that piece of reflection but also move past things whatever I was holding on to I felt able to handle it better physically um I was super run down and I recently did a health assessment <laughs> because I had the ability to through work and I found I was really low in B12 and vitamin D which most people are apparently in the UK but I recently had like booster injections for both and I'm thinking is this what I've been missing all this time have I just been a super low energy feeling person because I'm just vitamin deficient but I just feel like I'm so much more consistently energized throughout the day and that's massively boosted how I just feel in general like I can get to 11 12 o'clock at night I still feel like I could keep going, but I can still sleep, which has been ma which has been major. Sleeping better in general. So there's, there's a so physical element to that, but also uh, an emotional one for me, which was the, really honestly I can credit Sandra to <laughs> for all the coaching that she's done with me so far, being massively impactful. So I'm hearing checking your mental state and checking your physical state, and then taking care of both of them. There is a lot of people that are like, oh yeah, that suit sounds great, but I'm not sure if it's for me. What would you say to this, these people? I was, I was probably one of those people. <laughs> I always looked at coaching or therapy as something other people do, <laughs> not something that I do because I think, do I really need it? Is that something, is it that serious that I need it? And I guess with the coaching, it's not therapy. It's someone just asking you a ton of questions and in doing that they're asking you to reflect and you will come to your own realizations they might play back what they're hearing but that's it you you're the one doing the work and I think if this was anyone else thinking oh I don't know if this is for me there's nothing to lose from trying something like this only to gain nothing's good nothing terrible is going to happen to you from a, a coaching session but what you could get from it could be absolutely invaluable so yeah that's a great advice I fully share it with you I and I always like to add that no one is going to force you to talk about anything you're not ready to so that's so true. your your time your rhythms your process absolutely but at the same time I, I think even though that's definitely the case I found myself feeling absolutely okay too this is someone that doesn't know you they don't know any anyone you know they don't know anything about you and another deeper layer of trust there that just almost instantly forms because there's no judgment there's no there's nothing in there that would make you go oh I better not talk about that I at least for me I definitely found myself sharing way more than I thought I ever would <laughs> in a coaching session because it was helpful for it to move forward yeah that's that's how it feels finding the right match right and perhaps it's not the first at the first time because many people struggle finding the right professional but then when you find it it is the way you're just describing it it's a safe space right it's your space exactly that yeah. 
So how is this shaping your current role? So what are you doing in, in your current role to protect mental health? Um, that's a really good question. I tend to create a safe space within my team by being honest and transparent. And going back to what I said before, the way that this was showing up and the way that I engage with my team is I wasn't having as many regular, honest conversations where I was giving feedback that I needed to be. And there was a model I went through of, you know, the five whys. And I would say something, Sandra would go, why? <laughs> and I would say again, why? And it got down to the fact that I'm responsible for guiding and leading my team. They need this from me. Um, and at the moment, I'm not doing that. So the way that I've repositioned, I guess, myself within the team is that I will always give you honest and transparent feedback because it's going to help you do better, grow, develop. And when I don't do that, I'm holding you back and you are not going to be achieving what you could do with your potential unless I do that for you. So that's the way it shows up most in my team at the moment. How do you feel now with new experience, new team about that experience you had in the past where you received like quite harsh feedback on your management style? safer safe in a way that I'm not perfect and I know that you know leaders make mistakes too <laughs> um, and I'm really honest about that so I don't get it right all the time I could give a bit of feedback and they go actually Lauren no and I'm like yeah okay cool like I'm, I hear you I know what you're saying makes sense too let's let's go with it and I love that about the way that our team operate is that you can take a completely different view on something And that's okay. <laughs> It's okay if you get it wrong. But yeah, I'd say that that's, that's a big standout thing for me. It sounds like you not only accept your team the way they are and you help them improve, but you also accept yourself. And with being open to receive feedback, you also accept that there are areas of improvement and you take it as a gift. Yes. Um, I think accepting myself in that space and not having to always have the answer not always having to be perfect is yeah the best thing that I could have done this year for sure it's not it's not easy at all but it looks like you did a a really good journey tried to <laughs> <laughs> so you have like double responsibility right because you are creating a safe space and promoting mental health within your people team, but also within Learnably in general, right? So how do you do it in, in the business? How do you make sure you're protecting mental health at work? It's a really great question because it's not something we're really far down the track with just yet. It's a key part of the roadmap of what we're going to be looking at as a team over the next sort of quarter. We want to partner with a provider so that we can actually give our people the access to therapy that they may need now, they may need in the future. To have that access is so important because, you know, our NHS is, is bursting at the seams. And when you need to talk to someone, it's quite unlikely you'll get to talk to someone when you need it. So something that we can do as a company is bridging that gap for our people if they need it now or in the future. But The key thing that we're focusing on and have done over the past quarter is how to build a, a safe space to speak up. So we've only just recently launched a baseline for 
engagement. Um, so it's a completely anonymous survey. We ask a ton of questions that we promised them we'd only ever ask once. So we just got we have a starting point um, where people have a way to say whatever they want to say about what it is really like to work here. And we hope that over the coming quarters we'll really be able to demonstrate how what people say and what people are feeling and thinking directly contributes to the action we take within um, the people experience team which we're on the 29th come next Monday the 4th we'll be able to share that with the team in a lot more detail we're really excited to do that because there's no point in asking people's opinions um, and creating that safe space and this you know it doesn't just go into a vacuum you have to be really be doing something with it so that's how we've mostly been working on it for now but it's a long road the work will never stop in that space and we've barely scratched the surface to be completely honest it is, it is. But I, I hear that is it is a topic that is important for you and you want to work on it. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think it's one of the most important things to be looking at, given that we gave up our office last year. We don't, we're a completely distributed company. We haven't completely articulated all the ways of working that we want to uphold within the company. And burnout is a very real thing. And we want to make sure that people feel that they can have a work-life balance But to do that, we need to lead from the top because otherwise people will just follow what people, what their leaders are doing, myself included. What would you say is the biggest struggle around mental health in your company? I would say striking the right work-life balance. Not that I've done any research to support that. That is the general sense I get from the listening data we have right now is how to create that boundary between stopping work and just getting on with your life in the evening um, it's just too easy to sit on your laptop continue working because well I haven't really got any other plans so yeah it's a, it's a it's a really tricky one to get right but that's the one that I think we need to focus on the most to create a, a sense of boundary <laughs> between work and and play so it doesn't start to impact people's mental health yeah I guess it's especially tricky when you are hiring people that are extremely passionate about their job so it's like I enjoy it so much that it's part of myself right and then it's very difficult to to create that also space for personal and disconnecting and so what initiatives do you have in mind as like brainstorming things that could work to protect this personal time out of work I mean for me just listen to you say that I think there's a really big difference between this is fun I'm in the zone and I'm loving the headspace I'm in right now versus, gosh, if I don't do this tonight or tomorrow, the rest of the week is going to be really stressful for me. There's a very clear differentiation when you objectively look at it, but when you're in the moment, you don't tend to, to think about that. So in terms of initiatives, I think the first thing that I really think we're going to need to look at is our own leadership team. We don't practice what we preach all the time, even though I know people, Our leadership team are passionate about it. They're, they know it's important, but they can't help themselves sometimes because sometimes the work just needs to get done. We're going through a really busy period in our business and the, the leadership team would have worked more hours than they probably should have done over the summer. And what kind of impression does that set for the rest of the team? The team will say, well, okay, well, if my leader's doing it, well, I better be seem to be doing that as well, potentially. So having a session with our leadership team in the coming months is going to be really important about how we show up as a, as a group um, and the and how we role model for the rest of the business. I think that's going to be 
really key. But also there are sometimes small things that can be done. This is really, really small, but quite impactful. Turning your notifications off on Slack or scheduling your messages to land at a different time because we're starting to become a really global business. And if you're sending something at you know, 6 p.m., that could be someone else's 11 p.m. And that's that has an impact, whether it feels like that or not, you just want to get your message out. Those are small things that can be done, but we haven't really articulated our ways of working yet. You know, what do we expect from our people when it comes to asynchronous communication? How do we build a culture around that? And what's okay and what would we rather you not do? We haven't put pen to paper yet when it comes to that. So that's something that we're going to be focusing on over the coming months. Yeah, I get I guess it's like changing the mindset from we are in the same office, I pop into your desk and then I can ask you questions to we work fully remote, we can work async every time at their time and their en- according to their energy levels. And I also f- hear that the leadership team is very important that they embody the, the culture they want to, to actually have in the business. And I, I absolutely agree. I, f- I feel like leadership is the backbone of everything, right? And you can you can teach people many things, but if you don't actually embody what you're preaching, then it's very difficult. So how are you planning to make your leadership team embody all this? <laughs> I mean, I think any people person out there will be like, that's my leadership team. <laughs> We're not unique in this situation by any stretch of the imagination. I think there's almost like a traditional mindset of, well, if you're the leadership team, you're expected to go above and beyond you know, your working hours or what you're delivering or whatever it might be. We're actually going to be sending some time as a group, I think at the end of November, face-to-face, um, which is going to be brilliant. And it's more than just one day. And we're really going to be looking at our leadership principles, what we stand for as a team, how we want to show up. Um, and this is going to form a crucial part of it because we have to put our money where our mouth is when it comes to this stuff. If we really want to show up in the same way that we want our teams to show up, then we have to be able to hold each other to account for that. And that's something we really do need to focus on as a group. Sounds like it will be a very meaningful time to spend together. I really hope so. I'm sure it will be, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. So what companies do you look up in terms of company culture or mental health promotion? So I I would have always said that Monzo stands out and that is coming from a place of, they were talking about this stuff before, at least from my awareness, many other companies were in the same way. I know that, I mean, something that really stands out for me is they had like a a poster in their toilets (laughs) and so many other companies were like, hey, have you seen what Monzo writing on the toilet doors? (laughs) It's something so simple. But for me, it's a standout moment where I saw a company started to be very proactive in this space, even though a lot of companies, you know, are doing mental health first aid training and starting to sort of talk about it. That for me was was quite interesting. But um, that was a that was a standout company for me in in that way. Yeah, I guess sometimes it's like bits from here and there that, and obviously you can't copy paste a company culture. But yes, you can try out initiatives that other people are trying and see how our people are doing with that and tweaking it. Yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. <laughs> so, what is your next objective or next goal to take care of your own mental health oh that's a nice one I think I need to hold myself to account more 
I can't expect others to do that for me, which maybe I've relied on through osmosis beforehand. But for me, it's checking back in on how those vitamin levels doing, how much am I really spending in work versus out of it. Um, it's something I raised with my own manager, Johnny. At the moment, in my first couple of months, I wasn't happy with my work-life balance, um, even at Learnably, because we were a team of two. There was so much to do. What I was brought in to do was significant. And I, I, was, I felt comfortable for the first time to say, I'm not okay with this and I'm going to work on it. And we agreed that we'll check each other on it because he's, he's exactly the same. <laughs> so I like, how's your work-life balance doing, Johnny? <laughs> and we're really honest with each other. And I think keeping that going and calling it out when there's a particularly busy period or do we need to deprioritize stuff? Because what is truly more important than feeling like you would be able to give your best self at work? Because you can be doing those more, but at what cost? Um, so my, I guess my personal goal there is really to keep doing and, be, and build on the habits I've already started over the past few months and check myself regularly. Um, and I, I don't necessarily know exactly how I'm going to do that, but I know that's going to be key because I could just let things slip. I can just fall into old habits. It's so easy. But to really get the best out of, I guess, myself and continue how good I feel right now. I don't want to lose this. Um, now I know what it can feel like when you do feel this good. It'd be such a shame if I let that slip. I know you just said, I don't know how. That was my next question. Like, how are you going to do it? Yeah. But perhaps if you put it in another person, that brings some ideas. Like, imagine you're hearing someone saying, like, I need to check that I'm having this work-life balance and I don't go back to old patterns. What would you advise that person how to, to keep track on that? I'd probably, I mean, for me, um, I love a bit of organization. I'd probably have something in my calendar that says, how are you feeling? <laughs> Or have you checked in with your team on their work-life balance? Because if I were to, and I will, and I check in with my, my team members in their one-to-ones, like, how are you doing? How is How do you feel about your work-life balance? I, I intrinsically will then go, how's mine? <laughs> Because they might ask me, they go, well, how's yours, Lauren? <laughs> I'll go, well, funny you should say. And I think that's a really key thing for me is to be able to know that you can have that conversation with your team and having a way to check in regularly, little and often is better than some big review, like three months on, how is everything going? And it's, it's really tough to do that. So little and often and building it into you know, your habits is, is much easier. I know at least in the past uh, few weeks, I mean, my, my team member, Marie, she'll go, I've noticed that you've, you've been working a little bit late over the past couple of days you okay? And I love that. I love that she all just go, I've noticed this, <laughs> what's going on? But those were, they happened to be moments where that side of this is fun. I'm in the zone. I'm loving this headspace. And I was able to really confidently say, yeah, that's, this is why I was, I was on a little bit later. Because I think it would be really obvious if I wasn't, if I was doing it because I thought this week is going to be stressful unless I do this stuff. I think it would be obvious. It's nice. It, it feels like you're, you're willing to work in a team to also check on yourself and it's not like I check on my team and I also check on myself but it's like a shared accountability around mental health yeah definitely I think that's what's quite quite nice about our team because we've set that up from the outset it's a very new team we've been building it over the past few months and by starting as you mean to go on means that you're not trying to you know throw in a habit you know halfway through where they're just like oh okay what's going on which is tougher not impossible but tougher to do 
But if you start with the right intentions up front, I think it, it lays good foundations to work from. Just to wrap up, can you give our listeners one piece of advice around mental health? Don't ignore it and treat it as with just as much importance as you would your physical health. Having gone through both <laughs> situations this year where I had a broken foot in July, I wouldn't not not go and seek help for a broken foot. So why would I not seek the same level of help or support if I was struggling mentally? which I needed to do. And I regret not seeking help sooner for something like that. But that's my one piece of advice is you can't just sweep it under the rug and hope it's going to go away because you can't, it's not tangible. You can't physically feel that, that broken foot that you have. For me, it's really about treating it with the same weight because there's no way you'd be walking or well, you physically can walk on a broken foot. So why would you walk around with your ill mental health as well? Thank you, Lauren. It was really empowering and to hear you talking about your process and how you manage everything and how you are still continuing walking that path of processing things and growing personally and professionally. It was really inspiring. Thank you so much for your time. No, thank you so much for having me. Mental Health at Work is hosted by Maite Otero, produced by myself, Simon Dumont, in collaboration with Apt Studio, and brought to you by Oliva, proper mental health care for the whole team. Thanks to Lauren for saving her best podcast voice for us. If you're on the lookout for an employee learning and development platform, try Learnably. If you're into the podcast and want to support us, you can like or subscribe to Mental Health at Work wherever you listen to podcasts, or leave us a review on Apple Music, preferably a positive one. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.